Well, in our walk through this series, A New Way of Thinking, we've been talking about how we grow, how we change, how people change. And if you are among the majority, let's say 100% of humanity, there are probably a few things about yourself that you wish were different, that you wish you could change, um, but then you find your human weakness on the other side of that wish. And you say, I, I wish I had a path forward that was different. So a few weeks ago, we started this and we talked about how the, really the keys to growth uh, from a biblical perspective and also from a psychological perspective begins with awareness. Just understanding the truth about the situation that you're in uh, in your heart. Once you realize that and you accept it, uh, then you're able to start taking concrete steps of action forward. And I love that a couple weeks ago, Dell brought us that message about awe uh, to help us realize that really the process of change and the way that God our lives is not just about um, us sort of you know, mustering some fresh energy or perspective and moving forward on our own. This is really God's work in our lives and what reminds us of God's power and what reminds us of the bigger story that we're a part of is when we behold the beauty and awe of the things that are all around us. And so you could drive through the countryside and just be thinking about yourself. Or you could drive through the countryside and recognize that all of the beauty that you're seeing is actually there as a gift from God to help you uh, understand who he is so that you can understand what you need to do. Um, so we talked about that. We also talked about the action last week that we have to take. Um, today, we're going to get, I, I think, maybe really honest, hopefully not brutally honest. You can do that to yourself if you want to. I don't have to do that. Um, and we're going to talk about the next step of this, but also the thing that holds us back the most from the change that we need in our lives. And that is our enslavement to reactivity. Okay, now I realize that sounds like mumbo jumbo from a therapist or something. Remember, Dell was involved in all of this, so it might be a little bit of that. But, the, uh, but here, enslavement to reactivity means that when, you, when, when life happens to you, you react, and that reaction is sometimes the thing that gets you in the most trouble. That's, that's the thing that you wish you could change. I wish I could control myself when I face challenges. So are we slaves to reactivity or is there a way out of that? Okay, some, some of us would say, Man, I can't say yes to what's right. There's so much pressure to do, to do wrong, right? I, I'm with my friends, they're all doing the wrong thing. I just feel like I have to go along with them. I, 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 wish, I, could do, I wish I could do right, but oh, my life is such a mess. I just can't get a hold of it. I feel like I'm under so much stress. And as a result of all that stress, I'm going to keep my bad habits going a little bit longer. The flip side of that is I can't say no to what's wrong. Man, the world has all these lures out there that are baiting me, and even though I know it's ridiculous and I know it's foolish, I still go for the bait. I still fall to the temptation. Uh, and so when I, when I know, like, here's the road of purity, I could walk on the road of purity, but oh, look at all the tantalizing baits of the world. Sometimes it seems like we can't control ourselves, right? So on two sides, we have a reaction, a reaction to testing, to trial, to pressure, to difficulty. And then we also have a reaction to temptation. And if your reaction is what's controlling your life, 
you're not on the road to change and you won't be able to grow. The good news that we started talking about last week is that God does not just call us to take action, he empowers us for the action. He, he transforms us from the inside out so that this is no longer just you trying to stand up against the world's temptation or you just trying to shoulder all the stress and handle it yourself. Rather, instead of being a reactionary to all the things that are happening to you, your whole life becomes proactive. So here's what's amazing about this and what I hope you'll see just in the next few moments, that it's possible that when it comes to either testing, pressure points, or temptation, that you can decide ahead of time how you will act and thus not be enslaved to reactivity anymore, but instead be actually choosing your path forward in life. Most people, when they come for counseling, when they share personal needs, uh, when they're opening up about the challenges that they face, most people, the, 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 the point that they struggle with the most is that they actually are slaves to the way they're reacting. And some of those reactions are, feel like they're habits that have been going on for their whole lifetime. So every time they feel stress, boom, this happens. It's their reaction. They don't even realize it anymore because it's such a habit. Uh, meanwhile, anytime you get faced with this particular temptation in this particular situation, boom, you're immediately caving to it. Why? Because you're a slave to reaction instead of for having the plan of how you'll move forward with God on purpose. So we want to see what the Bible says about this. Uh, when Jesus taught about transformation that comes from the gospel, he gave us the parable of the seeds. Some of us know that as the parable of the sower. So turn in the Bible to Luke chapter 8. We're going to read this parable, and thankfully, Jesus not only gave the parable, but in this particular case, he also gave the explanation of the parable right there to the disciples, and we can read exactly what it means. So there's no guesswork when it comes to this one. Luke chapter 8, starting in verse 4. One day, Jesus told a story in the form of a parable to a large crowd that had gathered from many towns to hear him. A farmer went out to plant his seed, and as he scattered it across the field, some seed fell on the footpath where it was stepped on and the birds ate it. Other seed fell among rocks. It began to grow, but the plant soon wilted and died for lack of moisture. Other seed fell among thorns, and that grew up with it and choked out the tender plants. Still other seed fell on fertile soil. This seed grew and produced a crop that was a hundred times as much as what had been planted. When he said this, he called out, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. His disciples asked him what this parable meant. So you can imagine Jesus declares this to this big crowd, and now they kind of come back into the small group, and the disciples are saying, all right, wait, what? <laughs> What's this about the seeds? Can you give us more? Jesus said, you are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of God. I use parables to teach others so that the scriptures might be fulfilled when they look, they don't really see. When they hear, they don't and won't understand. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is God's word. So as we read this, we recognize the seeds are all good. The seed is all God's word planted in people's lives. The seeds that fell on the footpath represent those who hear the message 
only to have the devil come and take away from their hearts and prevent them from believing and being saved. The seeds on the rocky soil represent those who hear the message and receive it with joy, but since they don't have deep roots, they believe for a while, and then they fall away when they face temptation. The seeds that fell among thorns represent those who hear the message, but all too quickly is crowded out by the cares and riches and pleasures of this life. So they never grow to maturity. And the seeds that fell on the good soil represent honest, good-hearted people who hear God's word, cling to it, and patiently produce a huge harvest. So those last couple of words, these are people, the good seed that multiplies, they cling to God's word and they patiently produce a huge harvest. Both of those images in my mind make me think about holding on tight to something that I believe and sticking with it, right? So these aren't, these aren't fly-by-night believers in Jesus. These aren't fair-weather friends of the Lord. These aren't the people that would say at some big rally like, yes, I'll follow Jesus, and then the next day they completely forget about their commitment. Uh, these aren't the people who, who kind of with their shoulders down just kind of trudge through life and think, and I know I'm supposed to be following Jesus, but there's so much about the world that I still want. No, the seed that falls on the good soil, the hearts that are good soil, are people that do accept God's word. They cling to it, and patiently, through perseverance, through endurance, through long-term commitment, they produce a huge harvest. So, what does this mean for us? Well, the second and third groups, or the second and third soils in this parable, notice that they heard and they both accepted God's word. So the, the seeds that fell on the footpath, and kind of set those aside and say, well, we know that it just didn't take. Like, those are people that they heard the gospel, they heard the truth, but their heart was so hard. There was pride, there was resistance, and so it just kind of bounced off. It never took root in their lives. But the second two soils... This is where the seed germinated. I mean, there was life, there was some activity, but it was short-lived. They didn't stay on track long enough to produce a real harvest. And then we see verse 15, the seeds that fell on the good soil. And those, they didn't, it isn't just that the plant was healthy, the plant lasted a long time all the way until harvest. So just reviewing where we've come from, and then I wanna kind of put this together. Uh, the road to change that we've been outlining, awareness, acceptance, awe, action, here's the next piece of this. If we're going to change our minds about where we're going and that's going to lead to a real change of our behavior, it's not just about taking action today, it's about adherence to that commitment, sticking to it. If something adheres, you can imagine duct tape or Velcro or glue or something, and you stick it together, and if it stays, you'd say, well, that adheres. If it starts to fall down, you go, man, that thing needs, a, it needs to be stuck better. So adherence is sticking with it. It's staying on the new way. It's persevering. It's faithfulness, devotion. It's repeating the process. It's being committed, not just in the moment, but being committed in the long run. Now, I know, as a fellow human being, that's wonderful to preach about, but really difficult to do, right? Because all of us would say, well, today I do intend to stick with it, 
I do intend for my life to be different, but then when those testings or those temptations come, that's when that adherence becomes a little bit of a problem. Maybe that gets challenged in my life. So a parallel passage where Jesus also talked about this, and it's just kind of helpful to see another explanation. So remember the four Gospels, four Gospel writers reporting on the same events, and so Luke wrote us that account of the parable of the seeds. Matthew also wrote it down in Matthew 13, and I just wanted to read the explanation of how Matthew explains what Jesus said about the parable of the seeds. That's Matthew 13, verse 18. He said, now listen to the explanation of the parable about the, plant, the farmer planting seeds. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom, don't understand it. The evil one comes and snatches the seed away that was planted in their hearts. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. So as soon as it's not popular to be holy or not popular to follow Jesus, not popular to stay on the right track, and they just step right off that path and they forget about it because they were exuberant, like they were excited about what Jesus could offer them but there wasn't any intention to adhere to that as a long-term objective in their life. They weren't committing themselves to it. They, they were just sort of looking for the, the benefit, and as soon as there was pressure, and they're out of that. Okay, then you look at the next one, verse 22. The seed that fell among the thorns represent those who hear God's word, but all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth, so no fruit is produced. The seed that fell on the good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times what had been planted. So soil group number two, we could call those the tested group, tested and found wanting. Uh, they didn't stick with it because they were pressured. Soil group number three were tempted. They didn't stick with it because they were lured. These are the two possible reactions that we have when we face challenge in our lives. And here Jesus is saying, if you let yourself be governed by those, my word is not going to stick, it's not going to root, it's not going to grow in your heart, you will not produce a harvest. The only way for this to work is not just the initial commitment to change, it's the, it's the desire then to stick with it, it's perseverance in that change, that new way of thinking that you continue to cultivate every day of your life. You, you might say it this way, adherence is my choice to keep believing when it would be easier to give up or when I'm tempted by whatever the world offers me. Those are the moments when your faith is tested. So right here at church, I would say it's the easiest place to become a believer and if you just could stay here all the time, it would probably be pretty easy to keep believing. But we know that in this world, there, there will be trouble. In this world, there's going to be temptation. And when we walk out the door, our faith will be tested by both of those things. So when that happens, when you're under pressure, do, do your old reactions kick back in and you just go right back to the person you used to be? Or when you face a temptation, do your old reactions to that kick back in and you just run right back into those same uh, tracks of sin in your life? Or 
through patient perseverance, clinging to God's word, repeating the process of awareness and awe and action over and over and over again, will you really live a new kind of life? All right, adherence, we could also say it this way, is my level of commitment to the process, to this new way of thinking. And maybe a way to kind of test it is just to ask, well, when I am tested, what do I do? When I am tempted, what do I do? So let's just set that up. When you, let's just say someone yells at you, and we all know that when we get yelled at, like the, the human reaction, the old sinful nature reaction would be to do what? Probably, it depends on your personality. I guess there's two ways. You could either yell back and, and hit back harder than they hit you, uh, or you could run away and disengage from the situation. Okay, those would be reactions. Proactively, when you get tested, if you know ahead of time that those kind of troubles will come in your life, and you've already decided the kind of person you're going to be, and the kind of action you're going to take, there's a different road. We'll get to that in just a minute. Or when you're tempted, what do you do? So here you are, you're you know, innocently surfing the web, and suddenly an image comes up that tempts you to click it, and you know that that image is going to lead you toward lust. So in that moment, the reaction that you would have to the flush of temptation would be, well, I, I'll click that image. That's, your, that's if you're a slave to your reaction, to your old way of life. But instead, if you've said, you know what, I know those kind of temptations are going to come, and so proactively, I've already decided there's a different road I'm walking. I'm going to cling to God's word, I'm going to patiently hold out for the harvest, and so I'm living a new kind of life so the question would be, if, you, if you're living by reactivity, you're going to cave to every pressure and temptation that's out there. Instead, if you've committed yourself to Christ and you're adhering to that commitment, it's actually a different road. Okay? So I do want to make this practical. I'm going kind to of identify this. It's all not that complicated. You say, well, Dan, what do I do? I, I don't want to have reactions controlling me. I do want to be proactive. I do want to identify what God wants in my life and then run after that. But I do face stress and temptation. So what do I do when that happens? Well, here are four things. First of all, look ahead and not back. So it's easy when we're thinking about all the things in our lives that we want to change to keep looking backwards at how We've done in the past our track record of failure in all of this. Man, this is, I've just, I've done this for so many years. How will I ever get out of this? Or what other people have done to me has led to this behavior in my life. And so we look back, but Jesus calls us to look forward. And, and it actually says in Titus that his grace teaches you how to live the new life if only you enter into it. It says, while we, while we look forward to the blessed hope, the appearing of Jesus, Titus says he teaches us how to live a new kind of life so that we become eager to do what's good and free from the bondage of sin in our past. So the very first thing that we would do if we said, you know what, I don't want to be a fair weather Christian. Um, I want to be the sort of person that sticks with it no matter what. When the, when the testing comes, when the temptation is, rises, I'm in that moment even more than usual I want to be forceful in my faith commitment. I want to stick with it. Say, well, the first thing we do is we say, Lord, I, I can't base my power to do that on my past because my past is not a very good example of what that's going to look like. Instead, Lord, would you give me the grace and the strength to look forward? 
Okay, here's the next thing we do. Think over and not under. Trials and temptations, if you're not living a reactive life, are actually expected opportunities to practice your proactive faith. So think of this. You can look at this in in, uh, James 1, which we've talked about many times before, but it's such a great text because it really gives us a perspective of how to handle pressure when it comes. It says, my dear brothers and sisters, in verse 2, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance, your perseverance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. So let me ask you this. Do you expect that in your life from today, what is today? August 30th, 29th? Okay, 29th, forward in time, until you peacefully die, do you expect no trouble to come your way? You think like, man, I've, I've already overcome all the troubles, and at this point, I'm going to have plenty of money, plenty of good health, all my relationships will be sound and solid and cheerful between now and the end of my earthly lifetime. Say, I don't know, that sounds like a great dream, but I don't think it's going to be quite that way. Do we expect that we'll face trouble? I mean, do you expect that? There'll be pressure points, there's going to be stress, there's going to be difficulties, there's going to be things you didn't expect to happen that will happen to you and change everything about your life. Sure. When that happens, based on this text, we could be thinking ahead and going, you know what, when, when that happens, I'll expect it and I'll call it an opportunity because my adherence to the faith, my clinging to God's word doesn't mean the same thing when everything is going great as when everything isn't going great. And so, Lord, when that moment of trial comes, I'm planning to consider it great joy and to let perseverance grow in my life. See, what we just did is we changed the script a little bit. The same thing is going to happen, but instead of you being a slave to the reaction that you'll have when it's all a big surprise, is to say, no, this isn't going to be a surprise. In fact, my faith was built for exactly this kind of thing. And when it happens, I'll say, Lord, thank you for offering me an opportunity to practice my faith in the good times and in the bad times. When trouble of any kind comes, Lord, it's not not like we're saying like we're ready for it, bring it. I mean, that's not the attitude. It's more saying, Lord, when this happens, um, I'm not going to be a slave to reaction anymore. Instead, I'm planning ahead to treat that as an opportunity. The same thing happens with temptation. Jump down to verse 12. It says, God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. Remember, when you're tempted, do not say God is tempting me. God is not tempted to do wrong, and he never tempts anyone else. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions, and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. So again, we look at temptation, and we say, all right, this is no surprise. Do we expect that between August 29th, 2021, and the day that we die, that we're done with temptation, and holiness is all going to happen on autopilot? 
that you'll never be tempted again to utter a profanity. You'll never be tempted again to watch something or listen to something that's evil. You'll never be tempted again to lash out in anger at somebody. No, we know those temptations will be there. Absolutely. So you plan ahead and you say, well, when that comes, it's an, op- it's an opportunity for me to adhere to my faith. It's an opportunity for me to build perseverance. So rather than being afraid of that or just waiting and then being surprised when it happens and reacting, instead, Lord, I'm going to plan ahead. So proactive faith. So what we're doing is we're thinking over top of life instead of being caught up underneath it. And everything that happens is a surprise and an emergency It's not a surprise or an emergency when you know ahead of time it's going to happen. So Lord, that is why you've given us this faith that we can hold on to. Okay, the next thing we do is we aim long, not short. Okay, Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians when he was talking about all the trials they were facing. And he even wrote that they were hard-pressed on every side, that they were being pushed, crushed, persecuted, just in every way they were feeling pressure. He said, you know, when I think about all of that, it just reminds me that I'm really not attached to this world anyway. It just reminds me to think about pursuing eternity instead of this life. And so when the pressure's on, instead of reacting, instead we, we look up and we say, well, I'm playing the long game here. So Lord, if you bring challenge into my life, if you allow difficulty into my life, I'm, I'm going to keep clinging to you because I'm thinking way ahead of just the struggles here. In fact, Paul wrote that, the, that the, the pressure they were feeling, the struggles they were having, the persecution they were enduring, that that was actually sort of amplifying the glory that they would eventually receive uh, when they get to heaven. So we aim long and we don't aim short. We're not just thinking about my immediate feelings in this moment. Instead, we're thinking... Lord, where do you want to take me now and forever? Okay, and then here's the last one. Give all, not up. The whole idea of adherence, perseverance, is not to give up. So to see why that's so important, look at Galatians 6, which you'll recognize at least one phrase in this when we read it. It's kind of a popular saying, but it comes right out of the Bible. Galatians 6, verse 7. Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. Those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if... We don't give up. So when we're taking action to follow Jesus and we run right into a persecution, somebody laughs at us for our faith. Somebody says, what are, what are you, you know, what's wrong with you that you won't drink this, listen to this, do this? In that moment, you're facing testing. Question is, will your faith endure that testing or will you react and go, oh, 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 okay, I'll just go along with the crowd. Okay? Other things, you know, here you are, you're, you're I'm going to follow Jesus, I'm walking forward, I'm, and all of a sudden you're tempted. What will happen next? So here, according to this text, if you in your life are faithfully, carefully planting seeds of what's good, 
eventually you're going to reap a really good and amazing harvest of eternal life. If you let your whole life be defined by planting seeds of evil, you're going to, get, you're going to reap what you sow. That's why he says, don't get tired in your journey. Of course, there's going to be moments that are stressful and difficult, but those are the moments where you, that's, those are the moments that you focus all the more on what Jesus has done for you. So, for you and I, human beings with lots of tendencies to fall to temptation, get overwhelmed by pressure, God gives us a new path. He gives us a way forward. So that when we think about change and growth, we're not just, we're not sort of, and I, maybe you've had this feeling, I know I've had it many times in my life, where I'll sort of be intending change, but there's almost this suspicion inside of me that like I'm never going to really follow through with the change I want to make. Yeah, I'll kind of say that I do, I'll pray about it, uh, I'll set the goal, but I don't think it'll really happen. See, what God can do is he can transform you, not just as a one-time thing, but an ongoing process of transformation that allows you to become the sort of person that has a great harvest in your life of good. The question for us is, will we stick with it? Will we decide to rely on God's power? Will we plan ahead for those things that would tempt us to unstick? Say, Lord, I know those are going to come. And so ahead of time today, I'm deciding to put my focus on you. I'm deciding to not be controlled by my circumstances, my emotions, my reactions. Instead, Lord, I'm clinging to your word. And I'm going to patiently keep persevering no matter how my life goes. That's when you reap the great harvest. So I want to pray for you, pray with you, because I'm a fellow traveler on the road of adherence, um, wishing my life was a little different, sometimes a lot different, just like you, recognizing that the power for that change is not going to come from deep within inside of me, but rather it's I choose to put my faith in Jesus who gives me the, the ability, the grace to change. So let's ask for that today together. Uh, Lord, I know that each one of us in this room is starting from a different place in our lives, in our faith journeys. Some of us have already traveled many miles in our lives. We've already faced testing and temptation. And Lord, by your grace, we can say we're still here. We've, we've remained faithful. Others in this room might be in the midst of testing and temptation right now. And they're wondering if they can make it to the other side. They're wondering if their faith will survive. I pray for them, Lord, that you'd give them strength and comfort and courage. Lord, every one of us knows that testing and temptation will come. As long as we're breathing the air of this world... Our lives are not going to be easy or perfect or cleaned up or all that we wish they were. But during those moments of challenge, we're going to count them as expected opportunities for growth, for joy, for change, to demonstrate the very faith that we claim to persevere in the face of temptation and trial. Lord, you modeled that for us. We follow your example.
I pray that each person in here, as they think about their life, as they think about the long range of their life, Lord, that today, the choices they make and the things they believe, the way that they think, would be adding up to a great harvest of good in the future. Lord, if there are ways in which we are planting seeds into our lives that are going to grow up and cause decay and death, help us to root those out. And if there are new ways that you want us to plant seeds of life and truth and honor in our lives, we pray for your help in that as well. Lord, we are most thankful of all that our ability to adhere, to persevere, and to endure is not an ability that we have to rely on ourselves to maintain, but that you promise to stand with us, to guide us, to protect us, to love us, to empower us every step of the way. Lord, that's what we want to hold on to today. In Jesus' name we pray. Let me send you out with this encouragement from Jude 1. Now all glory to God who is able to keep you from falling away and bring you with great joy into his glorious presence without a single fault. All glory to him who who alone is God, our Savior through Jesus Christ our Lord. All glory, majesty, power, and authority are his before all time and in the present time and beyond all time. Amen. We'll see you next week. God bless you.